This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, this is the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Welcome Beating, to the uh, show, welcome. Franklin yeah. Proctor. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we're all trying to kind of deal with the fact that oh, oh yeah, uh, Kawhi's not going to be coming back to the Raptors. I was ninety-five percent sure he was going to sign in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. You know, something to, in the last couple of days, but in particular yesterday, for whatever reason, I thought, oh, it's taken so long. I know and, the percentage was dropping. Yeah, yeah. And you are a real dyed in the wool. Yeah, we're big basketball. We're fans. big basketball fans. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't hit me as big. Of course, being five foot four, yeah, <laughs> no one ever, no one ever wanted me on their team. <laughs> so it doesn't affect me that much. Anyway, we're here to do the garden show and get your mind off Kawhi. Uh, but thank you, Kawhi Leonard, for all you did do. Yes. Uh, fabulous, uh, what he did do with the team. We have our memories. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Now, if you folks who out there would like to get a hold of Charlie and ask a question about gardening or, hey, basketball, because she's pretty knowledgeable in that. <laughs> uh, in Toronto, call this number, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And, uh, call early. Oh, yeah, call early, call often, one question per call. If you happen to be a first-time caller, let Tim, who's our operator this morning, know and... That's what you're going to hear before we get to the airways. And here. that bell represents garden wings. That is right. Allows you to go up and take a look and get a whole different perspective on your Ooh, garden. Oh, I like so that. So don't right. be afraid to give us a call. All right. Okay, a couple of things going on. Mm-hmm. Number one, I did mention this last week, this um, second annual exhibit at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, Zim Sculpt. So these are sculptures that have been placed into the Toronto Botanical mm-hmm. Gardens. Uh, they're all hand-hewn from stone, brought from Zimbabwe mountains. It's an out, it's outdoor art at its finest. And mm-hmm. if I could just win a lottery or if uh, Kawhi wanted to share a couple of million with me, I could buy <laughs> <laughs> one of these yeah. sculptures to put into my garden because they are absolutely gorgeous. But they're all different sizes. Everything is for sale. TBG, as you know, has no entrance uh, cost to touring and wandering the gardens. So go out and enjoy if you can, Mm -hmm. particularly on a gorgeous day like today and tomorrow when it's going to be cooler. Get out there and enjoy a wander through the gardens and the sculptures. Heads up, next week, uh, Vivian Quesset will be joining us. She's one of the curators of the Zim Sculpt show at TBG. So she's going to give us the inside scoop on this event. Uh, A couple things on your, to put on your calendar. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is hosting their annual garden tour. There are 10 gardens on the tour, including afternoon tea. Mm -hmm. How perfect is that? Sunday, July 7th, so that'd be tomorrow, starting at noon, $10 a ticket. Tickets are available in the parking lot of the Scarborough Village Recreation Center 
as of 11 a.m. The gardens are open as of noon. So 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Now, this same group, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society, is hosting a general meeting on July 10th. They are a busy group. Mm-hmm. They have a presentation by Michael Erdman, the gardens of Bangkok and Singapore Tropical Paradise. Boy, that'd be fun to, to sort of ooh and awe ah over. Uh, refreshments, of course, are included. Guests are welcome. Doors open at 7 p.m. and again, Scarborough Village Rec Center. The Oro Madonti Hort Society's Summer Garden Tour is Sunday, July 14th, so a week tomorrow, 12.30 to 4.30 p.m. Advance tickets, only $10. Day of the tour, $15. So to get your ticket in advance, go to www. Oro Medonti Horticultural Society dot CA. And, um, honest, oh, you know what? One more. Whistling Gardens. Have you ever been to Whistling Gardens? No. You gotta put this, you and Shirley have to do this as a day trip. Mm-hmm. It is su- such a beautiful place. It's a, it's a bit off the beaten track. It's down towards Hamilton up there in the escarpment. Uh, Whistling Gardens is having a summer garden festival. Uh, they're introducing the Sultans of String live oh. in their amphitheater because they have a beautiful outdoor amphitheater. Mm-hmm. And that is Saturday, July the 20th. So they are, a, it's a beautiful big, it's, it, it's a passion of, of the person this, who started yes. it. So it's, <clears throat> he's created these acres and acres of gardens, this unbelievable collection, particularly of certain plants, but conifers mm-hmm. in general. I think he's got the biggest, most unusual exotic specimens. Uh, wow. anywhere in North yeah. America for Sounds his like evergreen. It huh? is. There's mm. a little garden center. There's a cafe. He's a bird guy. So he's got all kinds of exotic birds. Oh, you can, oh yeah. It's really, it's a very, it's okay. a very fun Maybe outing. Maybe just Google that. Huh? Yeah. Um, whispering gardens. Whistling, whistling, oh, whistling, not whispering, whistling. And of course, if I could tell you a little bit more about where it is, you'd be a happy person. Festival passes, $45. Okay. I, I will, um, I will tell you. I will give you more. Okay. Waterford, near Waterford. All right. Okay. I'll give you more. I just, it's too, the print is too small for me to read it fast. (laughs) Okay. And we do have folks waiting on the line. Uh Like even, even someone just across the border. We're going to go Uh, in our next uh, four callers we've got lined up thus far. One of them from Buffalo. So hang in there, folks. We'll be back with you. And uh, we'll be back, first of all, to talk to Sharon in Mississauga after these words here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. When we last left you, <laughs> Charlie was going on and on and on about Whistling Gardens, but you have some information. Re- trying to read yeah. a, a press release, which is like a <laughs> two-point font uh, press release. All right. So for more information, Whistling Gardens, one word, whistlinggardens.ca. Okay. But the actual location uh, generally from their website says that they are in Wilsonville, Ontario, nestled in Norfolk County, just minutes south of Brantford, and 20 minutes south of Highway 403, but definitely a wonderful destination. Pack a lunch or buy lunch when you're there. There you go. Okay. And waiting patiently on the line out there in Mississauga is Sharon. (laughs) Hi, Sharon. Good morning and welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. And I have a problem with uh, an old perennial, and I don't know the name of it because it came from my late mom's garden, and I'm trying to trying to keep it alive because it's got this white film on the leaves uh, like a fungus or something and then they shrivel up and die. I cut them off 
and the new shoots come up, mm-hmm. and, but they're also getting uh, the white film on it. I water it from the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, not on the leaves, because I know that can cause this fungus, but I didn't know if there's something I could spray on it, or is it coming from the soil? No, it's more environmental. So that that uh, powdery look to, on the surface of the leaves is called powdery mildew. Yeah. And it does look like, you know, somebody shook some baby powder on top of that's the plant. Right. And if you wipe it with your thumbs, you can actually wipe it off. But it is a fungal disease. And once it has uh, infected a plant, it's virtually impossible to eradicate. You can control it by using some garden sulfur is typically what you'll find for sale for the control of fungal diseases and it'll be a spray bottle at your local whatever garden center home depot um so garden sulfur it will not however eradicate it will simply control um now what can you do to avoid this in the future not knowing what the plant is it's a bit hard to be very specific here but generally speaking to minimize mildew problems because we can't control high humidity we can't control rain day after day Mm -hmm. there's all those environmental things we can't control but what we can do is ensure that plants that require you know full sun are located in in situations in our garden where they are getting six hours or more of sun every day when the sun shines so they're out in an open area they're getting that direct sunlight and remember air circulation the circulation of air is super important to avoid mildew problems. So the plant itself, you know, you know, typically with a perennial, it's not like we start thinning out that specific plant to provide air circulation, but ensure that it's not tucked in a corner where there's a wall or a fence or a shrubs or whatever blocking our prevailing west and, and southwest, northwest winds. Cause that's that wind, that western flow through the garden will help minimize fungal diseases. Okay. And okay. this garden sulfur spray, you, mm-hmm. you spray it on, on the leaves and c- can you also spray it into the soil around it? Uh, you can. Follow the directions. Of course, you're never going to spray anything when it's 30 degrees like it's going no. to be today. And you never, ever spray anything at high noon, whether it's a soap mm-hmm. solution or a sulfur solution. So read the instructions thoroughly. Um, when you do, or when you are picking off those leaves, you mentioned that you've been picking off when you see the mildew. Ensure that you are removing them from the property. They're going right out yes. into the garbage. I do that. And, and it's, it's strange, though. This is I have a lot of perennials, but this is the only one that's affected. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be very susceptible. Exactly. It, and it if it's did an it last old year, but it, I still managed to keep it alive. Yeah. Well, and, some of the older the older varieties, and you mentioned that this is something you inherited from your mom. Yes. It's um, it's, that's one of the differences between some of the older heritage varieties versus the newer cultivars. The newer cultivars have been selected specifically for the ability to be resistant right. to issues like mildews. Yeah. So. So that, I mean, we love some of the old ones, but they do sometimes come with, ex, you know, more maintenance required. Yeah, and with wiping the leaves, that doesn't kill it. No, it doesn't kill it. Um, and if you look on the web, you'll find all kinds of sort of recipes for mix this and mix that, you know, some, some baking soda and whatever, whatever. So, you know, you can look at that as well. But your uh, my recommendation is you get yourself some garden fungicide. Okay, Sharon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank thank you very much for being our first caller. We yeah. got lots of lined up here, including uh, Trish from Wasaga. Hey, good morning, Trish. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, my husband sprayed our crab apple tree with a uh, dormant spray. Mm-hmm. Well, he had some over, and he says, "Oh, well, it says on the box you can spray the roses with it." <laughs> yes, you can. 
Yeah, well, he did, and they all died. Well, were they dormant at the time? Uh, it was just after, well, you know, after the uh, heavy snow. Oh, okay, so the... Anyway, they were, they were all shooting up. They had beautiful leaves on them and everything. Okay, but wait, sorry, when he sprayed them, they had leaves? Yeah. Oh, okay, so they weren't dormant. No. Right, so that's... But anyway, they all died. Okay. Hmm. So, uh, I went out there oh, about 10 days ago, and I cut off all the dead leaves. Mm-hmm. But some of them are just standing with a stalk of a, a leaf or two on them. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Okay, so to try and, depending on the health and vigor of the roses, mm-hmm. the dormant spray is called dormant spray because it's to be used on dormant plants. Mm-hmm. Plants, So that includes trees, shrubs, roses, all of them. So dormant means no leaves. It means oh. prior to the leaves emerging. So you've got buds in the spring, but they have not actually cracked open. And it's particularly important with things like crab apples. You never want to spray them when they're flowering, as an example. So the plants must be dormant. It depends when that might be. It might be March, might be April. This year, it might have even been May when you would be spraying dormant spray on dormant plants as per the directions on the package. Yeah, I think it was May. Yeah. So, I mean, just this was a late spring. It was cool. It was moist. It was a, it was hard to find the right, you know, temperatures, et cetera, to get the dormant spray onto the plants. Uh, however, if the roses were sprayed, the leaves shriveled up and turned brown and, and blew away. The main thing is Good garden hygiene. Clean up all those leaves. Get the ground clear of anything that's fallen off. Get out your sharp pruners on a nice dry day. Tomorrow is going to be optimal because it's going to be not, you know, humidity is going to drop tomorrow. Cool, cooler temperatures. Very, very good for promoting growth on plants. Plants do not like 30 degrees. They like 25 if they can get it. So, um, mm-hmm. so cut them back. I would say just get out to your roses tomorrow. Do some cleaning up. Get out your sharp pruners. Do some cutting down, even if it means taking a couple inches off of each of the little canes that are coming up out of the plants. Um, you probably don't need to water, but it has been dry. So depending on, maybe not at your place, did you get good rain yesterday? No, we didn't get any. You didn't get any. Okay. So when you're doing this cutting back, you also, if you haven't fertilized, you could consider fertilizing the roses. Don't overdo the fertilizer. Follow instructions. Double the amount of fertilizer does not give you double the growth. It gives you half the growth. So, so just, you know, be, be sensible. Give some water as necessary. Fertilize, fertilizer as necessary. And I think you'll find cutting back might just make them pop out and start growing again from energy that's still in the plants, but in the roots. All right. All right. Thanks very much. You're very Thank welcome. you, Trish. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us here on a, a very hot and humid day. I know. And, uh, it's yeah. like our third or fourth in a, in a row. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not complaining, but no. it has made it hard to be out in the garden. It's just been By the way, with rain hot. in mind, you mentioned we got dumped on about yeah, 7 o'clock. Did, eh? Thank God, because it was so hot. Oh, and we don't have air conditioning. I know. But I don't know how holy you do it. macaroni. Uh, it was really beautiful after that rain. Lovely. Yeah, cleared the yep. air quite a bit. And tomorrow's going to be gorgeous. Like, Tomorrow it's going to be quite clear, I yep. think. Uh, we have to clear the decks, as a matter of fact. <laughs> just in, moments from now, is we're going to take a little break uh, and get get along to, to uh, say hi to Mary. But let me repeat the phone numbers. We've got a couple of lines open right now. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Back with Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show. <laughs> Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we're going on a little trip here. Let's Mm -hmm. see, just north of Bolton. That's where Mary is. Hi, good morning, Mary. 
Hello, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, my question is that you uh, discussed that um, skim milk and Epsom salt. Thank you yes. gave us the, uh, yes. the recipe recipe for that. Mm-hmm. It was, is it a fertilizer for tomato plants? Yes. And what is the ratio of water? I think I missed that part. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what kind of bottle do you put it in? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm going to let you hang up the phone and get out your pencil and paper. I have my pencil and paper. And is that constitute my question or can I have one more? After no, that? no. Yeah, yeah, you're, but, you're limited to one, my love. One. I know. I thought that was a, your recipe that I missed part of it. I thought possibly I could get another one in. Uh, but you can call you back. Can call back. Don't, yeah, don't call worry. Back. Call back. But but here's the here's the scoop. Um, there is no ratio of water in this particular recipe. What you're going to do is you're going to get a regular 500 ml water bottle, just a plastic water bottle. You're going to take the cap off. You're going to cut the bottom off. And then you're going to jam the, the mouth part into the soil at the base of the tomato plant. So every plant gets a water bottle if you want to go the route of this particular technique brought to us by Warner, who gardens in Tilsonburg. So his his deal is each tomato plant gets this upside down water bottle with that open end mm-hmm. facing up to the sky, the, which is the bottom end cut out. Into that open end every single week, once per week, he pops in uh, two teaspoons of uh, powdered milk, skim milk powder, one teaspoon of Epsom salts, and then he just pour, he just runs the hose or he gets his watering can and he pours water into that water bottle, uh, probably until it fills up, depending mm-hmm. on how fast your soil drains. Um, it, my, my soil is very clay, so I would just fill up the water bottle and it would take 10 minutes probably to percolate through. A sandy soil would go down faster. But either way, you're just diluting the skim milk powder and the Epsom salts with the water and you're watering the tomato plant and you're fertilizing it at the same time. So that's a once a week uh, a process and he swears by it. He says he's got the best tomatoes yeah. in the world. Mary, here's what I want you to do. I want you, when you hang up, to immediately call back. There's already a line open for you to get in there <laughs> at 416-360-0740 or uh, the one 740 Four seven forty line. Okay. Thanks very much, Mary. I look yeah, forward to hearing back. Thanks yeah. for calling. Do Twice not a, be a stranger. Yeah, exactly. Call. Now let's go international. All right. For sure, and get your Across arm the ready border, too. And I'm being really nice to the border security guards here. Hello. Good to see you, sir. <laughs> uh, there's Jesse online. First time caller, by the way. Yes, indeed. Good there morning. you go. Hi, Welcome Jesse. Welcome to the show. There was a lady that called last week about her lilac. She had him along a fence. And she cuts the blossoms off, the seeds every year, and the neighbor doesn't. Right. Well, what she might be doing is she's too aggressive when she's cutting back. Because if she's cutting those seeds beyond where those fine branches are, that's mm. where the buds are are formed for the following flowers for the next year. Well, remember, yeah, lilac uh, flower buds are formed through July, August, and are there definitely in September. So you're right. But if she does her flower trimming early enough, meaning right after they finish flowering, it shouldn't matter that you if you cut back beyond the flower, then well, the buds should still form. Well, she may get some, but she may not get as many because yeah. those fine branches, that's exactly where all those buds come out. So You're right. You're right. No, it's tip, the new growth. Exactly. What okay. else? Have you got lilacs at your place? Yes, I do. And do you trim them? 
No, I don't. Sometimes uh, I'll take some of the seeds off, but yeah. uh, they're just too many. Yeah, 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 if you have a lot of lilacs. And if they get big, too. I mean, I think that's probably the most important thing that happens with the some of the lilacs, is they get so tall that we can't, we can't right. sniff them or cut them or do anything because they're way up there. So it's nice to keep them down people height, I think, when we can. Okay. But thanks for that. That's hey, a great thanks, tip. Uh, thanks, Jesse. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Thank, well, thank you. you so much. Have a, a great weekend and keep it tuned right here to AM 740. Uh, from Barry is Carol on the line. Good morning, Carol. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I need some professional wisdom on yucca plants. Mm-hmm. I have a number of yucca plants, and I noticed that early this spring, the leaves had brown spots on them. Right. And then recently I noticed that underneath the plant at the very bottom, Mm -hmm. there were dead leaves. Mm -hmm. So I pulled the dead leaves out Mm -hmm. and then they seemed to be doing better. Mm -hmm. Now I've got the tall branches of flowers. Mm -hmm. I got a multitude of babies coming from them. Yeah. And where I pulled the dead leaves out, Mm -hmm. To me, it seems to be rotten around the core. Okay. All right. So this is a great question. So you've obviously had the yucca plant in your garden for a number of years. Yeah. And the way it works, a yucca is an evergreen, and it's that spiky, uh, looks it looks very almost tropical uh, in our gardens. In the wintertime, the snow sits down on top of the yucca, and the leaves sit flat onto the ground, and the snow, and the cold, and the wet, and the spring. It's very common to have the lower leaves brown and spotted and, and not looking great. So in the spring, it is a good idea to crawl around in the garden and cut out any any really dead leaves. I mean, the little spot it's no big deal, but brown leaves need to go. Now, as you point out, you're getting the flower spike, which is just very, it sort of mm-hmm. obviously coming up out of the center of the younger yuccas. Remember the way it works. When a yucca flowers from last year, remember some of them flowered, after they flower, they die. And little baby or suckers or daughters grow off of that main mm-hmm. mother yucca that flowered and is now dying. So you do get that mushy brown, as you point out, you know, messy looking, um, rotten thing happening in the garden. But that is, that is last year's yucca. That's not this year's yucca. So don't hesitate. Get in there with a sharp knife. Cut that whole mess out compost and continue to allow the young yuccas to get bigger and old enough so that they can flower. And depending on how much room you've got, how much space you want to give to yuccas, what starts as one yucca can soon become quite a little forest of 10 or 12 yuccas all in a wow. in a group like that. But but it, part of the maintenance is exactly as you recognize, removing brown leaves. And when you get that that mushy last year's core of a plant there, sharp knife and get it out of there. Yucca. I know, and then, and then there's the name, the yucky, I love the way, way Carol pronounced the name of the plant, yucca. It's a yucky yucca. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling. Thank uh, you very much for helping me out. I really appreciate your kindness and your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, thank thanks you. so much for calling. Now, uh, golly, Guelph, a place you're quite familiar with, yes, Charlie. Yes, yes, Guelph. Uh, love see. Guelph. Yep, there's Maggie on the line. Good morning, Maggie. Good morning, guys. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, Uh, Charlie, 
three years in a row, I've been given a mandevilla plant for Mother's Day. Uh-huh. This year, I got one in a large pot, three plants, mm-hmm. all growing up the sticks. They're nice. two and a half to three feet high. Beautiful. Three I've colors, brother. I've got a flower on them. I've oh. got trailers running in every direction, but they're coming out in leaf. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe you need to make that plant suffer a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe you're being too nice. So is it in lots of sun? Oh, yes. Okay. And have you fertilized at all? Yes. How often? I put those, uh, um, they look like stones, but they're tablet type of thing. Oh, yeah. Was it, the, uh, so like a little, there used to be little Job's spikes you would stick yeah, in the ground there were job spikes and do you remember what it, what they see there's job spikes for flowering plants and then there's job spikes for tropical or green plants oh i can't tell you that yeah so I can't just remember yeah so cuz remember that the, the the food that we give plants will encourage different kinds of growth so if if by some chance you gave it a fertilizer that was for green tropical plants you are encouraging lots of green leaves and green stems which might be why that's what you're seeing. So your challenge now is to find what you used and double check that it, it that it is for flowering plants. If it isn't, then consider, because you do have time, it is only the beginning of July. So you've got the next two months to encourage some flowers, lots of sun. Fertilizer for a flowering plant will give you a higher middle number usually in the fertilizer analysis. And, and be careful that you... Um, one of the ways we get plants to flower, when I say make them suffer, is let this plant dry, get fairly dry between waterings. So I know you probably check it every day and it starts to feel a little bit dry and you water it a little bit. Try not to do that. Try and let it go, whether it's three or four or five days with no water whatsoever, lots of sun. And then when you do water, water really thoroughly. Give it you know a gallon or two or whatever it needs to drain right through into the saucer below and consider every three weeks a flowering plant fertilizer just to promote the the um, formation of flower buds. Thank you very much. I will try that. Okay, okay Maggie, thank let you. Let us know. I'll report back on that if you don't All mind. Alrighty. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye bye for bye-bye. now. And you know, I am absolutely delighted. Very, very few women actually listen to me. <laughs> and uh, But Mary did. Oh, good. And she's called back from Bolton. Hiya, Mary. Welcome again. <laughs> Yes, and you got cut off just as you were telling me about uh, the inverted bottle of, uh, of water with Epsom salts, and it's once a week. Does that mean the recipe is repeated every yes. week? Yes. Okay. Uh, now can I have my yes. real question? Yes, sure. You go ahead. <laughs> okay, my question is that my grandson gave me a coconut palm, which I've never heard of, it's a coconut with the leaves coming out of the center, and it came with instructions saying that it could be, it's a novelty, and it can be kept in the house, or it can be planted outside in a pot in sandy soil, which is what I did do, as long as the temperature is not below 34 degrees. Right. I did do that. I planted it in sandy soil, says to water it frequently, or every day if it's outside, huh. and 
it started dying. So I brought it back in, and I'm afraid it's going to die. Help. Okay, sorry. So, you know what? Don't bring it in. Leaving it outside is a really good idea. The, oh, I did bring it in. Um, well, you know what? It's going to be much happier outside. I mean, this is a tropical plant that really loves the heat. But, okay. And the reason they're telling you to water every day is because if you've ever been in the Caribbean or in any of the beaches down, you know, around the, the equator, not even the equator, but down in that area... The cocoa, coconuts fall out of the palm trees. They land in the ocean. They, they float and they bob and they roll up onto shore mm-hmm. on some sandy beach somewhere and get lodged into the sand and germinate in all that nice salty water and start to grow. So they are surrounded by water. They're very, very, they love their water. They love the heat and they love the humidity. They love the wind. They love all the things that are happening outside. Our biggest challenge, and perhaps your biggest challenge, is that sandy soil. We don't typically have the kind of sand, like pure sand, in our gardens that you'll find on these tropical islands. So don't water it every day because you won't have that that drainage. That okay, put pure it back sand. outside in sandy soil again. Yeah, exactly, and, and even leave it in a pot because if you want, I, you yes, will I not be. It didn't get enough drainage because we were having a lot of rain. That's I don't know. right. Yeah. So a pot with drainage, really well drained soil in the pot. And, and you're right. If it's no saucer below, if it's raining every day, let that water continue to drain out. Uh, now we haven't had rain for a week. So, you know, you have to kind of watch these things. So feel the soil. If it starts to feel dry, water it, but don't let the plant just sit in a saucer of water. Make sure that the water is always draining through, but you're keeping it very consistently moist and it should be fine but yeah it's going to be much happier outside before the leaves have already died can I purchase sandy soil somewhere you, the proper kind of sandy soil well, I you, use sandy soil that we have here okay. in Palgrave area okay so in pots remember we always use potting mix or potting soil mm-hmm. so when we're planting up into containers we never take soil out of the ground we go to a bag that we've purchased at our local whatever garden center you can find cactus soil and cactus the soil is very well drained. Oh, I have that. Okay, so that's that's you what you want to plant into. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you so very much. <laughs> okay, Mary. My pleasure. Thanks. Have a great, and again, report back weekend. on that, Mary. Yeah. I can see you're not afraid to call, so call <laughs> again in a couple of Good. weeks. Let us know what's going on. <laughs> All righty. We do have to take a bit of a break as we okay. screech in here at, what, 9.42 Oof. on a Saturday morning. Look at that time ripping by. We'll be back in a moment to say hi to Danielle in Mississauga here on The Garden Show. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, let's say hi to uh, Ray calling in from St. Catharines. Good morning, Ray. Hello. Morning. Hi. Um, I have a giant taro, or taro, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, the big elephant here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. I rescued it um, from the side of the road last spring, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as it was warm enough, I put it outside, and it was beautiful. It grew, and it was just, it was beautiful. Leaves all the time, and new shoots coming up all the time. Uh, when I when it got colder, I brought it inside, and slowly each leaf died off, right. one by one. Yeah. So I kept cutting them off, hoping that something would come back. Now I'm left with, um, I have three pieces of, like, one is a big trunk. It's about a foot high. It's just like the trunk part of it. But there are, like, a, about 
uh, oh, six to about ten notes. Like, right. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be leaves or not. And the other one, I don't know. They might be roots. I mean, I left the roots on, and it's in water right now. And the one piece of this, I, I noticed that um, it has a new shoot. That one should be okay. <laughs> but the roots are about oh, six feet long yeah. on this tree trunk. And I don't know how to, if I should cut more of it. Because the top now is just, like, there's no green at all. It's just the hard um, yeah. trunk. Well, so it's I don't actually... know if I should cut the roots halfway or no okay so i don't know how to save it that's okay so here here's the scoop or here's what i would do if i had found this at the side of the road and rescued it which was good for you you obviously saw this at the end of the season last year and somebody thought oh i can't be bothered to deal with this and just tossed it out at the end of the driveway right so tarot um elephant ears a colocasia is the proper name of this plant it's a tropical plant very popular because it gets huge leaves and tropical leaves and the tropical look in our gardens has been very popular over the last few years. Um, keep in mind, though, it is a tropical plant. It doesn't like winter here. It doesn't like the cold. So right. that's why bringing it in for the winter was important. It would have died if it stayed out. Yeah. Um, but I would I would personally uh, plan to let it go dormant for the winter. I would pack it away just like I would pack away my canna lilies, my caladium, um, my calla lilies, any of those tropical... They're not really bulbs. It's that's a rhizome. That brown, gnarly thing you're looking at with roots on it is actually a, a modified root. So all that energy okay. is stored in there, and it's ready to grow given the right conditions. But it it doesn't mind being dormant for the winter. So it doesn't mind a dark paper bag somewhere in a cool basement where it dark just paper bag. Well, you, for, when we let it go dormant for the winter, we put it in the dark, we put it in the cool, and we let it just sleep and, and sit there and be quiet in. In some dark, cool spot, bring it out in the spring, plant it up, whether you're planting it into a potting soil in a container or you're planting it out in the garden, get it out, out into the beautiful warm temperatures and humidity and sunshine and that sprout it's the whole thing should start growing all those little you see those little nodes little yeah. buds will should start to fatten up and grow into those massive big leaves but it's the Maybe waking up process in the water those nodes, i would not do any of it in any water because it's more likely to rot in the water than to yeah. grow in the water yes yeah okay okay and so, the, the roots are the big long roots should i if i cut half of that off, is it going to kill it? Mm, I probably, well, you mean, well, so, okay, so when you cut the root, you expose, uh, you wound it, basically, and you expose oh. the, all that um, cut area. You must let that dry down before you put any of that cut area in contact with soil or water because fungus typically will move in and the whole thing will rot. So right. I'd be inclined, I mean, it's too big to deal with. Yes, you can cut it down, but let it sit on a piece of newspaper uh, just somewhere to dry out of the weather. So just uh, on a porch or somewhere under a, a shelter so no rain gets on it, let that the cut uh, end dry down and then plant it up. But main thing is get it or into the ground. Can I just leave the roots as they are yeah, and put you can. it into soil? Yep, you can. I just, I don't know what to do with the... <laughs> okay, so those, no, those nodes are roots. 
But I don't no, know what those, to do no, with the top of it. Like, okay. how's the leaf going to come out of? Well, it? those nodes are where the leaves are going to come from. Oh, so you've okay. got to leave that that brown knobby thing out of the ground. You're only going to bury the bottom where you've got some little whispery bits of wheat of roots. So it does look kind of silly. Thick roots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So thick yeah. roots. Either way, you can leave that. The, it's at those little lines. Yeah, it's a bit hard to describe on the radio, but um, yeah. it is. Yeah. If you wanted to look it up. So C-O-L-O Colo Cassia. C-A-S-I-A. Colo Cassia Esculenta. I have the um, the tag or whatever. Oh, do you? Yeah. Alocasia. Alocasia. Okay. Caladora. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, same idea. They're all the okay. same family. But either way, yeah, you can do a little bit of um, of looking that up if you want to just to double check that you're doing the right thing. But okay. uh, yeah, good luck with that. It's a great plant to grow. Good and, for you, okay. right? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. And let me see the time on the board there, I'm my sorry, friend. I'm sorry, my friend. I yeah, okay. There we are. Just want to see where we are as far as timing is concerned. We got uh, time for maybe okay. one more. All righty. That would be uh, Siva. No. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Sandra. Sandra, Sandra from uh, Etobicoke is next on the line. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie, Frank. Good morning. I have a very large rose of Sharon. It's about seven feet tall, three, four feet wide. Mm-hmm. It actually grows as a tree. Mm-hmm. It has the small double white flowers with the yes. red burgundy oh, yeah. um, interior. Yep. The leaves of half the size that they normally are this year. Oh. I can see all the branches. It looks very healthy, mm-hmm. but I'm just wondering why the leaves would be so small. Something must have happened either this spring or over the winter. Is it possible that uh, road salt affected this no, plant? It's in my back garden, mm. it has a cedar tree to the north of it and a fence to the east of it, okay. so it's open to the south and the east. Okay. Um, it's been there for over 20 years, mm-hmm. um, and nothing has happened. A neighbor hasn't done anything. Yeah, no construction, nothing no. like that. Um, I haven't planted anything, you know, that would have damaged its roots. Okay. It, it has, in fact, it's so big, it's... <laughs> I have plants growing underneath it. Right, which is fine. So what I would do is, what, you're right, it's good eye to recognize that the leaves are smaller than normal. Um, the, obviously, they're, they're green, they're healthy. Yeah. Um, let's assume that everything is fine. Know in your heart of hearts, so that Rose of Sharon, if it's 20 years old, they often don't live forever. They will suddenly just not wake up one spring. My suggestion to you would be to take a few cuttings of that plant this year and root those cuttings with the intention that if for some reason this plant doesn't survive the winter, you will have a backup shrub to to replace it with um, for next year. Okay, so if I take the cuttings just off a branch and rooting powder? Yep, water, sand, anything well-drained, and you'll get, they'll root up pretty quick at this time of year. Right, because it normally has so many seeds that I always cut those off in... Yeah, you don't want to grow that from seed. You won't get the same plant. So I got to go. Thank you, Sandra. But a cutting's easy roots, and then it's a clone of the mother. That's why you want to do that. So we're we're out of time. Yeah, I hear the engines revving up. uh, Alan Gelman, Dave Rediger, and they've got a whole whack of folks in there. They do. The lights are bright. I'm blinded by it all. So thank you, Frank. Thank you very much, Tim. He's done a good job. Big goodbye to Sebastian. He's been with us for years and years and years. We're going to miss him dearly, but uh, he's on to greener pastures. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.